0: Most of our exposures in the last 20, 30 years or so have been artificially induced. Frequencies that really exist very rarely, if at all, in the natural world, which causes damage to the cell membranes, stem cells, proteins, DNA, mitochondria, so it just really impairs biological health. There's a chip in there that can broadcast Wi-Fi, then dump that router. Fortunately, there, are, there probably are some technological workarounds where you can minimize the, the dangers, industry has to accept that there's a danger here.
1: Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing Tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Friends, this episode is truly
2: a surreal conversation for me. I've been following the work of Dr. Mercola for years. I mean, he was probably one of the first people ever when I first became obsessed with health and holistic nutrition and the role of diet and lifestyle. Mercola.com was basically the site for that. So this was really, really wonderful. And then to bring him on for a topic that I feel so strongly about, which is the role of EMF in our health. Very, very exciting. I'm a little bit extreme in my thoughts about EMF and the crazy measures that I go to to try to mitigate that. So it's nice to talk to somebody who actually knows the science of what's going on. And who doesn't make me feel like I'm that crazy, even though I am a little bit crazy. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash EMF. Those show notes will have a complete transcript. So definitely check that out. There will also be an episode giveaway for this episode. For that, just join my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, intermittent fasting plus real foods plus life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something I love. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Dr. Joseph Mercola. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited and thrilled about the conversation that I am about to have. You guys have been begging, begging for a show on this topic, and it is something that I personally take very, very seriously. It is something that I think has such a profound effect on our health, and yet it, I think, is often not appreciated the extent because it's something that we can't. Actually, see at least not when we're just walking around in our day to day lives, and that is the dangers of electromagnetic fields. I am here with one of the most amazing authorities to talk about the subject. I'm here with Dr. Joseph Mercola. You guys probably are all familiar. I mean, he doesn't even need an introduction, but I will give it anyway. He's a physician and a New York Times bestselling author. He actually is the founder of the most visited health website, Mercola.com, which I have been, I mean, I've perused that website for years and years. He's been all over the news. He has a myriad of books, but his most recent one is EMF, 5G, Wi-Fi and cell phones, hidden harms and how to protect yourself. So basically guys, I'm so excited about this conversation. Dr. Mercola, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me, Melanie. Appreciate it.
2: So to start things off, I normally I ask about like your personal story and history and all of that, but I'm actually, what I'm really curious about is because you have a vast breadth of work with everything that you've done. What brought you to your interest in EMFs specifically? Is it something that had been brewing or that you've been aware of for years? Was it more recent? What was the journey to that?
0: No, I've been aware of it for decades and been writing about it on my site. But I uh, was only intellectually recognizing it. I didn't believe that it was dangerous like most people. I felt that I, because of my healthy lifestyle, I was immune to the impact. Then I realized that was a sad mistake, so I corrected it. Basically, under the encouragement of Dr. Klinghardt, who's one of the leaders in this field and has really done a lot of pioneering work in educating individuals and treating individuals with damage from excessive exposure to this. In fact, So much so, because I've stopped seeing patients about a dozen years ago now, but he's still seeing people and he refuses to accept new patients into his care unless they agree to reduce, if not eliminate as much as possible, their exposure to the EMFs. He finally convinced me that it was worth exploring and I took off on a three-year journey to write the book.
2: Now I'm already on a tangent question, but I am a huge fan of Dr. Klingart's work. Has he found a lot about Heavy metal relations to how we react to EMFs.
0: It exacerbates the toxicity from heavy metal exposure.
2: Yeah, but I personally had mercury toxicity, so that's always been on my radar. So I feel like this is such a basic question, but I want to just provide a nice foundation for listeners before we dive too deep into anything. What are EMFs? Because I mean, obviously they are more intense forms now. So, so what are EMFs? What are the different types? Why are they a problem now?
0: There's a wide spectrum of them. And some, as you mentioned, are normal. Sunlight is an example, healthy EMF. So we should have exposure to it. But most of our exposures after the, uh, in the last 20, 30 years or so have been from artificially induced frequencies that really exist very rarely, if at all, in the natural world. So these would be like microwave radiations in, in the gigahertz frequencies even some of the megahertz frequency, so, and it exposures that is much higher than our, our cells are used to. So as a result of this stress, it can cause oxidative damage to the cells, very similar with a slightly tweaked different mechanism as the dangerous natural EMFs, which would be against sunlight, like UVB, at really high intensities and exposure. So you know that if you don't have much of a tan, and you go out in the beginning of the summer or the spring, you're going to get burnt, and that's dangerous, and that's causing big time damage. So it's just a matter of moderating the dose. But even beyond that frequency, you have ionizing radiation, like uh, and actually UVB is ionizing radiation too. That's where it starts, like X rays or gamma rays. So that can cause DNA breaks because of the energy and the in the frequencies. But even though the non-ionizing radiations like microwaves are, are touted as being non-dangerous because they don't cause this DNA breaks directly like the ionizing radiation does. They cause it indirectly by causing oxidative damage and basically cause the identical DNA damage and protein damage, cell membrane damage, fats, and just all down the line increasing your oxidative stress, depleting important biomolecules like NAD because you require NAD as a fuel substrate to activate an enzyme called PARP. Which is short for poly ADP ribose polymerase, which repairs the DNA damage from either ionizing or non ionizing radiation. But as I said, they, they, it causes it pretty similarly, similar types of damage. So become NAD depleted. And I suspect your audience is familiar with the importance and the complications of not having NAD, especially as you get older.
2: Oh yes, NAD It's one of our favorite topics around here. For listeners, if you aren't familiar, I'll put links in the show notes to other episode interviews that I've had on NAD. So a quick question about the ionizing versus non-ionizing. What happens to the cell?
0: It's not known quite for certain. There's some theories, but the prevailing one seems to be that it causes intracellular calcium levels to rise substantially because the levels are about 50,000 times higher outside the cell. So when the, you have high levels inside the cell, It causes an increase in the concentration of two free radicals called super radical or superoxide and nitric oxide, which combine virtually instantaneously to form peroxynitrite, which is not a reactive oxygen species, it's a reactive nitrogen species. And that lasts a lot longer than the pernicious one most people are familiar with, which is hydroxyl free radical. So the disadvantage of that is because peroxynitrite lasts so long, it can travel. Hydroxyl can only literally travel the distance of a protein or two. Whereas peroxynitrite, because it lives like a million times longer, can travel actually outside the cell in a different cell. So it, it carries its free radical potential damage throughout the body much more effectively than hydroxyl free radical. So it's, that's why it's so much more dangerous. So it's inc- essentially increasing the peroxynitrite, which has a downward cascading effect. It actually kicks off a car- carbonyl free radical, which then causes damage to the cell membranes, stem cells, proteins... DNA, mitochondria. So it just really impairs biological health.
2: So speaking to that systemic effect, I mean, I guess it depends what type of EMF and the source. I mean, I don't know. I guess this is a question, what type of EMF and the source that you're exposed to, but how acute or local is the damage from a given source? Like, is it pretty much like a cell phone, for example, is it pretty much hitting your whole body
0: Radiation intensity decreases with the distance. So, if you have a cell phone in your pocket, obviously the area that your cell phone is next to is going to get the most damage, but then it does will affect other areas of your body. Now, if the cell phone's on the table and you're three feet away for it, it's going to affect most of your body symmetrically. So, is in relatively rather than locally, but so it depends on your distance from the exposure as a point source. Most of our sources like Wi Fi or someone else's cell phone, or if you're going out or in your car, they're, they're not point sources where, that you're sitting on or having nooks to your body. So they're away from you. So it's pretty pr- homogeneous exposure.
2: Hi friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Hi, friends. One of the most valuable things that I do every single night of my life is my infrared sauna session. The brand that I use is Sunlighten. we'll also put that in the show notes. All right. Now back to the show. Okay. This is a question that I've had about cell phones. I'm just trying to understand it for the longest time. So does the cell phone both like, is it always giving out EMFs and receiving EMFs?
0: Yeah, of course it is. So there's two components. One is the cell phone tower, which emits a signal, which is a big issue because you don't even have to have a cell phone and it's a problem. But if you have a cell phone on, which is more of an issue, it's like a little Wi-Fi tower in your pocket. When it's sending the signal to the cell phone tower, it's definitely emitting radiation. And even if it's on and the phone isn't in a call, it's still emitting signals on a regular basis. So you're getting exposures all the time. So that's why the best strategy is to Keep it in airplane mode as much as possible. The benefit of that is that your, se- your battery will last much longer. Do you know how long my battery lasts before I have to recharge it? How long? Take a guess.
2: Okay. Um, let me think. Is it days?
0: Yep. It's over a week, sometimes two. Wow. And I don't have an external battery pack attached to it. It's just a regular battery.
2: So you keep it in airplane mode, like what percent of the
1: day?
0: My average amount of minutes on the cell phone is typically three to four a day. And that's typically when I um, have to download or upload my data for my Aura ring to the device. So that's about the only time. Now, there are are other times like when I'm communicating with internet applications that require some sort of external security that requires a text, which just annoys me to heck. But nevertheless, I have to engage in that dialogue and then I have to turn my phone on.
2: I actually just interviewed Harpreet, the founder of Aura, and I was really impressed with everything that he had to say about the EMS because that was actually one of the main reasons I didn't get an aura ring for the longest time.
0: Since it's in start, it's had the ability to put in airplane mode, but they, they don't do a great job of educating people about that. So people just assume that's the case, but you actually have to go in there and turn it on. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. I've got my system down. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. It's not that hard, but it's, you do have to take the extra step. Yeah. It doesn't do it airplane.
2: I've also been wearing CGMs recently. Have you worn those before?
0: Yeah.
2: I really like them because you can put the apps into airplane mode and all of that. But apparently the CGMs are moving towards
0: Bluetooth. They're basically RFIDs. So it's a passive device and they don't really emit radiation unless you're scanning them.
2: Apparently the companies making the CGMs are moving towards like a Bluetooth type situation.
0: And I was like, no. They, most of them use Bluetooth now, but it's still only, or actually, not necessarily Bluetooth. They use uh, NFC. So essentially, because it's such a tiny device, I mean, that sensor is extremely small. It, I mean, it's really hard to have an active radiation of emission. There's no battery in that thing, so it's very, it's a very passive thing. It doesn't the the sensor embedded in your under your skin isn't really a bit problem. You're only exposed to it when you put your phone over it to grab the data, which sometimes has to be like. You could. I mean, some people wind up checking every more a few times an hour, which is the benefit of having it. But you know, the downside is you have the RF exposure.
2: So, do you think when they do make the updates, where it's constantly updating it?
0: it doesn't update. It only updates when you pull your phone over it.
2: They're not out yet, but in the future, the companies want to make it so that it's constantly updating.
0: I, I'm not aware of those designs. I haven't seen or heard about them yet, and it, but it doesn't make much physical sense, as I said, because the sensors are so small, it's embedded under your skin and you'd have to have a battery as a power supply, unless they have some type of circuitry that's going to take power from your body, which is possible. Not, But it, you know, as far as I know, that's not being deployed. There's, I've not seen any evidence that that's happening.
2: Well, hopefully. Okay, that's good news then, (laughs) because I was like, I better just use the CGM now until that happens, and then I'll have to...
0: Well, we will still have the old ways to do it, so and I I don't really think they're going to change it. There's really no reason for it. I mean, the the convenience is already there with the NFC chip, so...
2: True, true, true. Speaking of companies, so one of the most fascinating discussions all throughout your book, EMF, is the pretty shocking measures that have been taken by companies to downplay the risks of EMFs. I was wondering if you could tell listeners a little bit about the potentially sneaky things that go on in the industry. You compare it to like cigarettes and what happened with all of that, for example. Yeah,
0: I have a whole chapter about that in the book. And they basically copied the playbook from the tobacco industry. And they actually, to, even to the extent of hiring the same public relations firms that were responsible for essentially delaying the widely adopted acceptance of the dangers of smoking for five decades, 50 years. So there's the same issue. Basically, they create doubt. There's a been a book written about this, and, a, and I think a video too, or a movie or film, called Merchants of Doubts, which goes into this, with the tobacco industry, not the cell phone industry. In fact, I contacted the authors of the book to ask them if they wanted to do an update to extend it to the cell phone industry. But the Telephone industry has actually quite a significant lobby, and they actually improved the whole tobacco play because the tobacco industry hadn't essentially captured the federal regulatory agencies like the CDC and the FDA. So because when tobacco was out, the Surgeon General and the CDC were opposed to it. They gave warnings, yet still people continue to smoke because of the effective strategies that the tobacco industry was deploying. But the telephone industry are actually the the... The lobbying telecommunications industry have have the captured the FCC and the FDA and all the public health authorities, including the CDC and the EPA, that they don't perceive this as an issue. they, 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 they actually adopt the industry's belief or propaganda that it's safe. So that makes it even exponentially more difficult to fight this. And in 1996 they went in fact, I think it was when it was under the Obama administration. The head of the FCC, whose name was an individual name escaped me, but he was the head of the lobbying industry for telecommunications prior to being appointed by Obama to the head of the FCC. The most egregious example of the fox guarding the hen house. So, I mean, you've got the very regulatory, federal regulatory agencies that are assigned to protect the public being run by the very industry they're supposed to, to regulate. It's just—it's beyond atrocious. So, in some ways, that's why this book is such a challenge because not only do you have the regulatory problems with the the feds and not, you know, being essentially captured by the the industry, but you also have the with something that cigarettes never did. Cigarettes really never offered anyone a convenience, an extraordinary convenience. I mean, it was more of a hassle for everyone. They had to pay for it. It was an addiction that everyone pretty much understood that it was causing them to be become sick eventually, even though they didn't believe it until like the close of the twentieth century. Most people, but radiation is completely different. It offers enormous conveniences; it's changed most people's lives. If you have a cell phone and have a supercomputer to dialogue with, and and, commu- and interact with the, the web and pull stuff up when you need it. It's just an enormous – and Google Maps and all these conveniences. So it's extraordinary convenience that people – that essentially motivate or or impair the ability to want to consider this as a challenge, like I was. You know, I just – and then some – I mean, most people were not leaving a healthy lifestyle like I was, and so they didn't necessarily have a – a justification for believing that wasn't hurting them, although it's still a similar process, thought process, they just didn't believe it at all. And and, and even if there was a shred of evidence that it could be, and they just discount it because it's too d- damn convenient for them. But getting back to the telecommunications strategy, they create doubt by funding studies that they pay for that essentially counter what the credible scientists who are committed to truth identify as as significant health challenges and and so this conflict apparent ostensible conflict is confuses the public and they think well if the scientists can't figure it out then how am i supposed to figure it out and i'm just going to use it so those are the the challenges that uh, prevent most people from accepting this and i don't know it's going to be a long long time before i think this the the culture really appreciates the dangers of this so I mean, we're exposed to so much stuff and it's really taken a backseat. My book came out right when the COVID, I mean, I started writing it three years ago, actually four years ago now, but it came out right before COVID. So there was uh, obviously much higher priorities at the time when you, you have a, what apparent a sense, a existential threat to your existence with this pandemic, at least that's what the media wanted you to believe. So, you know, the, the concerns about EMF exposure really takes a backseat.
2: So true. I also recently interviewed Dr. Jason Fung and he released his book about cancer like right at the same time. And it, it was the same thing. Like all of these really big issues kind of got lost.
0: Took a, took a back seat. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, do you think in the future that there is a the potential for awareness to happen? Or do you think because of how it is so tied into, you know, like we said, our lifestyles and what we need that Unlike cigarettes, it might never come to light what's actually happening.
0: Yeah, I don't see it happen for a long, long time because of the convenience issue. Fortunately, there are, there probably are some technological workarounds where you can minimize the the dangers, but the industry has to accept that there's a danger here. And if they don't believe it is, and because all these, modifications and adjustments in the future require some investments in infrastructure and technology to change things. And there's not really a commitment or a willingness to explore those. So I don't know. I mean, you can, thankfully, it's still a free country and you can take steps to address it yourself personally, which I do, but it still makes life a bit more of a challenge. There's no question because one of the most important things you can do if you believe this is to not have Wi-Fi on in your house ever. I mean, you just get rid of it from your house. So. If you're on the internet a lot, and obviously you don't want to go on your phone, that means you've got to use ethernet cables, which is what pretty much everyone did in the 20th century. When you were online, you did not uh, go online through a wireless connection. People just seem to forget that conveniently, that they didn't use it. They used a wire. That's the only way you got on. In the earlier 90s to the mid-90s, it was through a telephone cable, cable modem. And then it eventually progressed into the Ethernet cables in the later 90s, early 2000s. So, and then to wireless, So, which is where we're at now, and everyone's using wireless.
2: Actually, I have a really quick question about the Ethernet. Are some cables themselves, do they release more EMF than others?
0: They're pretty much good. They're from the radio frequency perspective, some of them carry current from the line so that you have electrical fields. So you can get a shielded Ethernet cable, which is a little better. And they're not much more expensive, so it's just as just best to get a shielded ethernet cable. And the flat cables, which they actually, they're relatively inexpensive just within the last year or two. I mean, since the book came out, they had these flat, and they can be long, 50, 100 foot, so you can put them a long way. They're Cat 7 shielded cables, and they're basically the same price that the Cat 5 unshielded cables used to sell for just even a year ago.
2: Perfect. For listeners, again, I'll put links to all of this in
0: the show notes. And, and, the, and the flat cables take up much less space. They're not a round, hard cable, so they're much easier to conceal.
2: I'm looking at mine right now. That's what I have. Yeah, it works really well. For the Wi-Fi, because I do have to randomly turn on the Wi-Fi. Well, I turn it on when I leave to activate my security system.
0: There's a workaround. You should probably find it. I mean, you shouldn't have to do that. I mean, just get a, Just get a box. I mean, a push button box. I mean, that's kind of crazy to have to use wireless to turn your your security system on.
2: It's for the like self-installed security system, like for the cameras. It's only if I want to run the cameras that I have to have it on.
0: I definitely would look and explore an alternative to that.
2: Actually, so that's a really good question. So is that a problem when I'm not in the apartment and the Wi-Fi is on? And then if I turn it off when I...
0: No, just you're exposed to it needlessly every time you turn it off and on.
2: Yeah. So true.
0: I mean, sometimes you don't have a choice, like your aura ring. It's not a choice, but you may not realize that you don't only need to use the Bluetooth on your cell phone to, to upload your data from the aura ring. I didn't realize it for a long time. I would put my whole phone on. Now you're not going to upload your data to the cloud unless your cell phone is physically on. But and that's a good good for backup. if you want to view your data on the web, but you just need to pair it. All you need is a Bluetooth. How does Bluetooth compare? It's pretty comparable to RF exposures, especially you know like the Bluetooth AirPods or iPods, what do you call it? No AirPods.
2: AirPods. I shudder whenever I see those.
0: Yeah. It's right in your brain. I mean, it goes in your ear canal, which is inside your head.
2: eventually want to order so you never miss out and if you really like something and want to keep it you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price friends i'm obsessed this is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste oh and of course one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes it is dry cleaning which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website so i reached out to them and i was like hey what's going on with the cleaning What do you guys use because i can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning and thankfully they let me know that they do not use any detergents fabric softeners or chemicals that are harsh everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents it's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles so yes we are good on that front as well it is the coolest thing ever and you can try it free for a month Yes, completely free. Just go to com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards, and it is third-party lab tested, so you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked Farm Direct Beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. And use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get 10% off. Again, that is MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Melanie Avalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with a coupon code Danger Coffee. anti-aging, help with your stress, help with lack of sleep, and or optimize your partying. You need these patches, friends. And I'm so excited because working with the company has been amazing and they are giving you guys $100 off, which is incredible. So to get that discount, just go to melanieavalon.com slash ion layer. That's I-O-N-L-A-Y-E-R. And use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get $100 off your first Order. I cannot recommend these enough. I'm going to use them for the unforeseeable future, probably for the rest of my life. It's literally just become part of my arsenal now. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, usually once a week, put on my NAD patch. And even if I don't go out that week, I still like to do one once weekly. Oh, P.S. They're also amazing for traveling. You guys know I'm not a big traveler. I've been doing more traveling recently and I wear these on the plane there and back. Game changer. Although it's really fun at TSA, especially because I already opt out and don't go through the scanner thing. So they already are suspicious. And then they're like, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's NAD. And then they're like, what's that? And then I'm like, it's a coenzyme in your body that's involved in a lot of metabolic processes and energy production and DNA repair. And then they just look at me really weird, but it's fine. It's totally fine. So again, that's MelanieAvalon.com slash IonLayer to get $100 off your Ion Layer kit. It comes with six patches, totally the way to go for boosting NAD levels. And I cannot recommend it enough. MelanieAvalon.com slash IonLayer with the coupon code MelanieAvalon for $100 off. At Christmas, everybody was getting them and I was like, stop, stop. Don't put that in your head, family. So Wi-Fi, the difference between the different Gs is it a big difference as far as its potential for health
1: issues?
0: Potentially. We don't know yet because they really haven't done the studies. I mean, it takes them literally a decade to do the studies. Most of the studies are just done in 3G. They haven't even really finish the 4G studies, let alone 5. So I don't know that it's going to be significantly different. And it's the same ways to remediate against both. So the key is just, you know, basically just don't turn your cell phone on. I mean, the, there's cell I think the new 12, is it the 12? Series 12 iPhone. I think they have a, a five chip in them. I know the eleven didn't. That was the that's the, the year I have. And I like iPhone better than an, any Android because it's not Google, it's the primary one, and Apple's far better at privacy.
2: Also in that world of the G's, so like I said, right now I am turning on my Wi Fi while I'm not here. I had to actually call the company to get them to disable 5G in my router so it doesn't turn on 5g when
0: it's Uh, wi-fi it's simple the thing to do because most of them if they have the capacity if if there's a chip in there that can broadcast wi-fi then dump that router throw it away and buy one that doesn't because if it does have that capacity there's a software upgrade over the air that they will change it and it will default back to the, it will go set it back to default, which is on. And you'll have to check it every day. So if it doesn't exist there to begin with, then you don't have any problem. So just get a device that doesn't broadcast. It doesn't have the potential. The chip's not there. And they do make them. They do make
2: them. I'm looking around to other things that I have going on. I have these Green Wave, I think is the brand.
0: Yeah, those are filters. They're for dirty electricity.
2: Yeah, so what is dirty electricity?
0: High voltage tran there are high voltage transients in the line that can cause some biological impacts. Dave Stetzer makes a series and Sam Milham is an MD PhD, wrote a whole book called Dirty Electricity, which goes into great detail. And of course, I discussed it in the book.
2: Do you find those devices are pretty effective for mitigating that?
0: Yeah, they, they seem to work. They pretty much reduce it. They're not the best way is to stop the source to begin with. So Things like fluorescent light should not be used because they're a high high source of it. Inverters for solar panels would be another one, DC to AC inverters.
2: And then how about grounding mats? How do you feel about those?
0: Those don't work in North America. Why? Yeah, because the ground is contaminated with dirty electricity. So Oh,
2: so I should not be using grounding mats?
0: Not unless you go to outside of North America. Oh, wow. Okay.
2: I have an EMF canopy, so I got it and I put it up and I was testing it with my EMF meter and it seemed to be reducing.
0: Yeah, they're really good.
2: But then I got really freaked out because I was reading and it was saying if it's not properly installed and like everything's perfect, then you might actually be making everything way worse. And I was like, oh goodness.
0: No, no, that's not, that's just not true. But the, the most common mistake is to complete a Faraday cage, you need it on all sides, which includes the bottom, even if you live on the ground floor. So, cause it comes up, the radiation comes through the ground and, and up into your system. So you got to put a sheet, a, a grounding or not a grounding, but a shielding fabric below your bed and then connect it to the, the other sides. So you have a complete gauge.
2: See, I had put it on a ground. Well, but now I know the problems with the grounding. I had put it on a grounded sheet.
0: No, it's not going to do a damn thing.
2: So wait, I need to get grounding...
0: Uh, the manufacturer of the canopy should be familiar with it because they, they may not and I'd recommend it for a ground floor installation, but cer- certainly for second floors because you know, it's going to obviously come through the floor. So, But it got, comes through the ground, too.
2: So the fabric that I had, it was a similar material, I thought, as the canopy, but it needed to be like grounded. So that's not the same thing, I'm assuming.
0: It depends on the material. Some of the fabric shielding material can be grounded. Some can't. There's a benefit to grounding it if you can, because then it not only blocks radio frequency fields, but also blocks electrical fields if you ground it. And if the fabric can be grounded, some of, some of the fabrics can't be.
2: What about I have like EMF quote blocking pajamas?
0: Yeah, the problem is with all the clothing is that they don't protect the most important part of your body. Your brain. Your head, yeah. I contacted one of the manufacturers and had to make me what looks like a beekeeper's mask that I put over my head when I travel with my clothing. And people just think I'm an excessive COVID concern.
2: It's probably easier now because people, (laughs) now you can do all the things.
0: There's no way you would get arrested if you did it before.
2: I know. (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: Interestingly, I've flown once since COVID started and the airlines will not accept that mask. They have to put a mask on underneath that hood. But <laughs> I would go to a medical facility where they have nurses and stuff, and they would accept it. They didn't need a mask. I thought, that was fine. It was really odd. That's really funny. Yeah. But the airlines wouldn't, wouldn't allow it, even if it's not over your nose. I mean, they come down, you know, it slips down over your nose, and they get, they get on you. It's like, whoa. I mean, they're really serious about this. And obviously, you don't fight with them in, unless you want to get grounded for, the, you know, never be able to fly that airline the rest of your life.
2: Not grounded in the good way like we've been talking about. Okay. And then for headphones, I actually wear the ones you make, like the tube headphones. How do those compare to normal headphones?
0: It's a little bit better. There's no electrical connection there to transfer the the current to your brain. So if you're going to use it, those would be the best.
2: Those are what I'm using right now. Are there any other practical tips?
0: There's a lot of them. You can go to emf.mercola.com. That gives a summary of the book. That would be the best thing. And obviously the book would be, it's the best book written on EMFs. I'm,
2: yeah, 100%.
0: Yeah, So, and, and, and it will be for quite a while. I haven't seen anything better. I read almost every book out there before, it was, before I wrote it, so I knew what was available and where the holes were. But it compiles it into a really easy-to-read, lots of illustrations and graphics that communicates the message. So it's not just this long, complex text. That goes into electrical data that, you know, has your head spinning. So as you know, if you read it, so.
2: But you've provided all of the information I felt like I needed about EMFs. And how big of a deal are smart meters?
0: They're a big deal. You shouldn't have them.
2: For people who live like in apartments, though, is there anything they can do?
0: There are shields you can buy. I forget the name of the company. There's a Canadian company that I like. It's pretty good because it's canadians.co and it's three letters. I think it's lessemf.com. I I can't remember the three letters, but it's a a pretty good one, and they've got a lot of different shielding strategies for smart meters.
2: Okay, perfect.
0: It's in the book. I just don't remember.
2: Are some people more EMF-sensitive than others?
0: Sure. Yeah, there's a a small percentage of the population who's hypersensitive to it. I would uh, definitely recommend the book because it goes into all the details. I think even the questions you asked, I'm not sure, but if you look in the book, You'll probably find the answer there So,
2: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. The last question I always ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realized how important mindset is. So what is something that you're grateful for?
0: I'm grateful for challenges because they catalyze me to explore the workarounds and come up with a creative solution.
1: I love it. Well, thank you so much,
2: Dr. McCullough. I look forward to your future work. This has been absolutely fantastic and enjoy your
1: weekend.
0: All right, you too. Thanks.
1: Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What When Wine? Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at melanieavalon.com and always remember you got this